0: Podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland sports.com. I'm Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. National Sign Day right here up on this uh, fax machine. I don't even think they fax anymore, Rich. Text messages, emails, whatever happens to get a kid's letter content I mean, will start rolling in in about 12 hours. And before you talk, Rich, I just want you to say, uh, well, I want to say to you, I, I hope you noticed I nailed that intro.
1: You did. No mess ups this time. But, man, I want to let you know because I still use a fax machine if I have to have that signature. Signatures coming through on fax just work better than a text message. I mean, I I can't go back and say this was a legal binding contract. I don't know, man.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I said I don't know how that works. But uh, okay. Oklahoma's class right now. Texas making a move, um, getting the McCoy kid. D- depending on which, which service you look at, 24-7 right now has Texas with the number one class in the Big 12. Oklahoma currently sit number two in the Big 12, number five nationally. But there's going to be some more kids added to this class. It, it's not over with Oklahoma. And we're going to talk to some, about some names and so forth here in just a second. But the question I want to ask you, I, I know how I feel about it, but I want to know your thoughts. Do you see this being a lock as a top five recruiting class this year?
1: I do, in all honesty, because I don't see a way that Oklahoma drops down from this list. Why do I say that? They've already got the letters of intent signed from, and again, this depends on on which outlet you're looking at. It's either four five-star recruits or it's three five-star recruits that are anchoring this class, pulling them up into that top five. It's extremely difficult, like I said, to say that they're going to drop out when By my count, there are only 14 top 300 recruits left who have yet to decide, who have yet to commit officially to any location, much less sign that letter of intent. So I do think there will be a few surprises here and there, but it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, one and two. I think there's a shakeup in the top five, but it's really who's going to be three, four, and five. It's not, are they dropping outside? of that top five. So we'll see when everything's said and done, Oklahoma hanging on to that, that top five recruiting class for the first time since 2010.
0: Sooners currently have 23 commitments who have already signed their letters of intent there's one other commitment out there who's the defensive end out of, out of Katy, Texas, David, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. We'll wait and let the professionals like Toby Rowland and Chris Plank teach us how to say those names. Uh, but the, the kid, the four-star recruit out of, out of Katy, Texas, uh, he's, he's a defensive end, but I think they're going to bring him in to play linebacker. He's, he's a hundred percent committed. I, I don't, wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, to see his, be the first letter to come in now there is news tonight you know you've got the you've always got the the ever uh, exciting eyes that lincoln riley tweets out but he did that this evening we're recording this on tuesday night he did it but also so did ruffin mcneil and there's two prospects out there I, i and i i don't know i don't know who it is but there's somebody coming to Oklahoma there's going to be a letter that comes in Wednesday morning that right now is not in the, I'm not in the fold as far as a commitment. Um, I, I, there's a defensive tackle out of, um, out of, I, I can't even think where he's from now, but he's, he, I think he's out of Louisiana cause he's most likely going to LSU four star defensive tackle Ishmael Sosa. And I think that's who it may be. Six six three thirty four. 334 um, he if if they get this kid to come in here in the middle of Oklahoma's defensive line, I mean they've got to rebuild this defensive line, and that's that's as good of a foundation I think that you're going to get. But you know there there's a couple other names out there that you you think could be coming Oklahoma's way. I, I mean I, I'm a huge fan of this Brandon Pierce kid. I know he's on the radar just recently, but uh, any anybody that you can get that can run a four three forty, I know you wrote about him, Rich, but I mean. That to fill that role that that we've seen with Hollywood the last two years that we saw with Dee Dee Westbrook before that, just that speedster who can stretch the field. When when I look at the the teams that are in after him, there's really not a lot of Power Five schools that are drawing interest from him. Which to me that leaves the door wide open for a program like Oklahoma, who's already shown with Lincoln Riley they know how to use guys just like him. What do you
1: what's your thoughts on this Brandon Pierce kid? You know, I, I feel like he fits the mold of what Oklahoma wants to do at the receiver position. He's a guy who's going to come in with experience, assuming that he, he chooses Oklahoma, but he's going to come in with experience there on the division. Well, I say division one on the collegiate level at least and you look at in the past what oklahoma has put on the field specifically we can even look towards last year because you put a speedster out there who can get behind the defense with a quarterback who can make the throws and oklahoma knows how to utilize that combination i I think they're looking for a little bit of that again because right now we're looking at cd lamb as being that number one wide receiver but you've got this this crop I don't know if you've gone in, Matt, and you've actually looked. You've got this crop of wide receivers, and let's be honest, this is probably the the best wide receiver class in the country coming to Oklahoma as part of this 2019 class, but all of them are 6'2", 6'3", in that range. You don't have any who are below 6'2", this year, which which I think um, speaks to One, a little bit of the problems that Oklahoma has had in defending these types of receivers, but two, it's just a trend that we're seeing. I mean, when you're bringing in this, this group, the defense obviously is going to get their reps in and hopefully make something happen when they face a similar receiver on on the opposition back to, to Brandon Pierce though. I think he would be a good fit. I think he could certainly blossom under a guy like, Lincoln Riley calling the plays, as well as getting a a quarterback in there who can make those throws. Now, we're not 100% certain that that that's Jalen Hurts, but I'm not doubting Jalen Hurts' ability at the quarterback position. Lincoln Riley has always adapted to his personnel. And again, that's why I think Brandon Pierce would would fit in regardless if he had this 4-3 speed or not.
0: Well, and what I like about him, beyond the four three speed is you know, we talked about stretching the field and, and let's think about a name that we haven't really mentioned and um, and haven't seen him a lot out there but charleston rambo and, and you know he the the orange bowl is kind of his coming out party you know he beat alabama deep for that touchdown pass from kyler murray i think you're absolutely right about this receiving class but I, I also – I want to look at the depth ahead of those guys, and that's maybe a different topic for a different different time. But I agree, you know, you, you mentioned CeeDee Lamb. There's Grant Calcaterra that's there. And, you know, I, Charleston Rambo, I, I think, has proven his merit as a player. Uh, he, he's going to be on the field quite a bit next season. This Pierce kid, to me, all due respect to Trajan Bridges and all these other kids, Theo Weiss, these guys that are coming in that are studs. I I feel like Pierce, what what you said, already having the collegiate experience at the junior college level with the speed that he has, there's no doubt in my mind that he can come in and and do exactly what Oklahoma had in Hollywood the last two years and Westbrook the the years before that. So to me, he's a key piece. And if Oklahoma gets him, which I think – I mean, what I I was reading about him is it looks like it's between Oklahoma and UNLV. And if those are your two choices, I mean, we we say this a lot. We are homers. I I get it. But if those are your two choices, it's a no-brainer, is it not?
1: Yeah, for for several different reasons. You want to compete on a national stage. Oklahoma provides that. UNLV doesn't. But the flip side of that equation is when you come to Oklahoma – you're expected to compete for the job. It's not given to you. I don't know that that would be the case with UNLV with a guy like Brandon Pierce coming in and showcasing that speed, the hands that he has already developed on this level. So when you're, if you're tossing a coin and Oklahoma's on one side and UNLV's on the other, my thought process is you hope it lands on Oklahoma every single time. But Oklahoma's also getting in a little bit late on this kid, Matt. They're they're making an offer a week before National Signing Day goes down. It's not a lot of time to weigh the options. I don't know what his relationship with the coaches who have been recruiting him is, whereas UNLV kind of has that established presence in his life. I would choose Oklahoma but I know there's a lot more factors than just the national exposure that you could potentially garnish by coming to a, a program in the Big 12 like Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, I mean I get what you're saying. I I really do, but the the thing is is that um Sorry, I was just I just had a thought. I think I'm well, I'll come back. R- remind me. I think I might know um well, never mind. I, I, we'll just go. That's that's a that's a rumor, and I don't want to chase a rumor. But uh, the the point is, with with this kid, I I, I just I don't understand. The, to me, if you go to junior college, it's because you want to play at a higher level. And this is going to sound disrespectful towards UNLV. I get that. But is UNLV really that much higher of a level than junior college? I know exactly how that sounds. And if you're somewhere in the state of Nevada, you're probably offended. But if you're out there playing at UNLV, you're playing against, you know, you get to go to Hawaii. That's that's awesome. But, I mean, if you – you Brandon Pierce, I believe the reason he's at College of the Canyons is because he wants to play at a high level. And whether OU gets in on him late or whether they get it on him early – they're the type of program, particularly with this position, that you just I mean, you listen to them and you give it, you give it, you know, you give it considerable thought. Even if, even if oh, you called him tonight and said, yo, man, we, we we understand you're thinking about UNLV, but we'd like you to come here to the University of Oklahoma. That's insane that you don't consider that. One more other thing to consider with Brandon Pierce is that I was just I was looking it up. UNLV currently has 17 receivers on their roster and two commitments for this class <laughs> right now. I mean, that's 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 some depth. You're talking about competition, whether you, you know, whether you compete at OU or compete at UNLV. The Sooners right now have eight on their roster with three commitments. So they're if, if they get Brandon Pierce, that's gonna be 12 on the roster, still nowhere close. I mean, that's five less than what UNLV has. I feel like I mean he hasn't made a campus visit. He was on campus in Las Vegas on January twenty-fifth. He's been on campus to UTSA, but when Oklahoma comes in last minute and gives him the offer, you really don't have that time to make the visit. But I I'm I'm not a betting man per se, but I would put my money on Dennis Simmons landing this kid in, in Oklahoma getting a letter from him on Wednesday morning. Okay, nice dead air there. Um, one, one other uh, name I, I want to throw out there is uh, there, uh, uh, Danielson Ike, the um, the offensive lineman. Uh, three-star recruit by 24-7 sports uh, out of Kansas City, Missouri, Rockhurst High School. He's been on campus, was there January 11th. Again, a, a boost along Oklahoma's offensive line. He, he's yet to be uh, to make a commitment to any school. But, Rich, I'd be shocked if he's not at Oklahoma uh, this coming fall.
1: I'm completely in the same boat as you are. I know that the predictions are made – and they're updated, but it, it seems to be trending towards Oklahoma for Danielson Ike. Oklahoma has a, a reputation at this point in time for taking offensive linemen, developing them regardless of their star count coming out of high school, develop, developing them into something that the NFL wants and desires, potentially a, as first round draft picks, which I know we're going to get a little bit into the NFL draft. Tonight, But again, I mean, you can look at the history of this program. It's hard to, especially if you don't have a ton of big schools pursuing you, it's hard to not look in the direction of Oklahoma at that position specifically. I agree with you. I would be surprised the way that things have gone, the way the predictions have gone as well. I would be surprised if tomorrow morning rolled around and and there was not a letter of intent signed. And yes, I'm going to say faxed here, Matt faxed to the Norman campus with a signature on it from Danielson Ike
0: just say sent in because we're not for sure that they're Vaxt. faxed <laughs> well how do you do it how do you, how do you do that? I, I don't know maybe we should investigate that that would be a, a good post all right so just, so you know I feel it, like that
1: just dated me
0: yeah you're and right. I'm not that old just for the record i'm saying oklahoma is going to add to their 2019 class danielson ike and they're going to add the receiver Brandon pierce and i'm i'm thinking one other guy on the defensive side of the ball particularly defensive lineman. The and i don't know if i, I hate that, the mess up kids names but the Saucer kid uh, i think you know oklahoma got in on him a year ago uh, still i think he's bound he's destined for the sec but somebody's out there that Lincoln Riley and Ruffin McNeil are both tweeting the eye emojis about. Could be two different guys, but um, I'd say those two are coming in with uh, this defensive end out of the Houston area, Kitty, Texas. I'd say to you adds at least three three to five tomorrow. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think three is a good solid number at this point in time because we haven't even talked about the offensive line. You know, there was uh, the kid from Hawaii, his first name is Enoch. I'm not going to attempt the last name here, but he was initially scheduled to make a decision, and he ended up backing off of that decision. He set a, a, a preliminary date. And he again backed off from and said that he would be holding an official ceremony on Wednesday to announce the school of choice where he would play his college football. And I don't know what happened. I don't know why he began to second guess that initial decision or why he decided that he needed more time. To make a decision but i felt like that began to lean in oklahoma's favor i could be completely off on this now i could be completely wrong but oklahoma got in offered him he came on campus and that's when everything he started backing away from that initial commitment at least that was my perception again i don't have any insider knowledge i have not personally contacted anyone who has mm-hmm. any no with this kid but I feel like he's a possibility. He's a name that's still out there that Oklahoma at least has kind of a, a road in with at this point in time. I'm saying three. Um, I like that four number, but I'm saying three is almost a guarantee at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree on, on the no, number three as a guarantee. I just wonder how much they're going to add to that. The kid you're talking about was initially bound for USC, but you know, Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury goes there, stays for like a day. Uh, and then moves on to the NFL. And so that kind of put a lot of things back in motion. I do know he was on campus in Norman January 11th, 6'4", 263, uh, offensive guard, four-star prospect. He has 27 offers. So uh, kid definitely has his options out there. I want to jump back to what we know Oklahoma has committed. Of the 23 guys that have signed their letter in 10, I, I got two questions for you, Rich. The The first one is, who are you most interested in? Uh, these 23 guys, which one of those guys just make you go, this is the kid that I'm going to watch heavily for the next three to four years to see his development and the ultimate impact that he's going to have on this program.
1: Uh, I think that first question is extremely easy. And it obviously leans towards really that prize possession of this recruiting class in Spencer Rattler. Now we know That he is this dual, well, he's listed as a pro-style quarterback, but I believe in his ability to run as well and make things happen with his feet. We've had a slew of success, Baker Mayfield, now Kyler Murray, and we're wondering who that next one in that mold is going to be. All signs point to Spencer Rattler, but I'm not naive enough to think just because you have five stars means things work out for you on the collegiate level. Not saying that's the case for Rattler, but we've seen it happen in the past at Oklahoma. We've seen players who have done silly things and been completely removed from the team for for breaking team rules, a violation of team rules. Again, Nas with Spencer Rattler, I think he's got his head on straight. I think he's a hardworking kid who is deserving of all the accolades that he's earned up to this point, but again, making that move to the next level, we're not going to see him next year, but as a a red shirt freshman he's going to be the name that everybody's focusing on and i would if he for some reason was this outlier on the Heisman watch
0: so you're predicting Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman before his career
1: is over, I'm I'm following sure, you. freshman, I'm I'm not saying that, Matt. I'm not saying that oh, okay, by any okay. stretch of the imagination. Because and, and really, I, I say I'm not predicting that because the college football landscape and the schematics are rapid. I don't know if you got to watch any portion of the Super Bowl, but I know the expectations of the Super Bowl were were that the NFL was moving towards this this big. These high-flying offenses led by Patrick Mahomes and that whole charge to the MVP. And the next thing we got in the Super Bowl was was this Big Ten game. It wasn't wasn't really this high-flying offense, these deep, long passes. It, It was the defenses that were shining. You could even say an SEC, but the SEC is slowly moving out of that defensive-only mindset, and they're bringing these high-powered offenses at this point in time as that landscape Excuse me, landscape continues to shape. Uh, we're going to see names that that we aren't extremely familiar with, who have played on the collegiate level for a couple of years, being the front runners for the Heisman. I'm just saying Spencer Rattler has the tools to be included on those watch lists.
0: Well, yeah, and I think he's the. Um... I think he's the obvious choice here when you, when you talk about you – know, and, and I think OU fans will see him next season. He's not going to beat out Jalen Hurts. I think everyone agrees that Jalen Hurts is the stopgap to get Spencer Rattler a year under his belt, You know, a year of conditioning and, and working on his body, understanding Lincoln Riley's system. But I do think that you know, with the redshirt rule where you can play in four, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the field at some point next season – Giving Oklahoma fans just a little glimpse of possibly what the – because he's the obvious choice and because you picked him and, and made a really good case for him, I'm going to go with another guy that I'm I'm really interested in, and that's running back Marcus Major out of Millwood. I, I, you know, a four-star recruit, number three in the state of Oklahoma, thought maybe he was going to le- end up at uh, at Texas – but um, I, I think um, I think he's a kid – when you look at the success Oklahoma's had with the running back position, um, this is probably going to be the last year of Trey Sermon. I, I'm interested to watch his development as he comes up and, um, you know, and it begins to t- – I don't know that we'll see a lot out of, of him next year, but he's a kid I think two years from now, three years from now, is going to pay huge dividends, particularly if Oklahoma can, continues to develop – offensive linemen in the way they have in the past. What's your, what's your thoughts on Marcus major?
1: You know, I, I wouldn't have even picked that name, but I I think you make a compelling case. there. specifically looking at what Oklahoma is potentially losing at the running back position. Add to it. The fact that Oklahoma likes to rotate running backs in there. They always seem to have a good stable of running backs. You've got to credit whoever's going out and doing the analysis. And then, essentially assigning a floor and a ceiling to these players and then beginning to recruit them at that running back position because Oklahoma from top to bottom seems to be loaded each and every year when we least expect it. Majors fits that mold. For me, I I think by all means he could absolutely excel in this Oklahoma uh, offense, especially knowing that the line that we're going to see this year is really a developing line. Moving forward, they'll gel together. They'll have experience, and they'll—they're really going to anchor the offense and set the standard for what this offense is capable of. Majors is just going to come in right behind them and, and pick up where a guy like Trey Sermon has left off. It's pretty exciting to think about, honestly.
0: All right, so which of the twenty-three that are signed? Again, just just sticking with the number twenty-three, we know these guys are are there. Letters are in. Which of these guys do you expect to have the, the most immediate and biggest impact in the 2019 season?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, that one gets a little bit more difficult for me to break down because, again, I I, I just gravitate – towards the offensive side of the ball with these type questions. And while I do want to say a guy like Jaden Hazelwood will be that, I, I'm going to drop down just below him and go with Theo Weiss. From what I've seen, the videos that I've seen of him, and this isn't a knock to Hazelwood. I, I think he's an exceptional, I mean, again, deserving of all the accolades that he has, but he's an exceptional receiver. I'm looking at Theo Weiss because size-wise, he's, he's just a little bit bigger There at 6'3", the 202. I think he has the ability to create havoc against these smaller defensive backs. One, because of his size, but two, because of the speed that he's going to possess. You get him in a collegiate weight room, and all of a sudden, these guys, any of the receivers that we're bringing in that are in the top uh, 60, 70 of the recruiting rankings have that potential. I'm just singling out Theo Weiss because, again, he's familiar with this Big 12 landscape. He's going to go out there and want to prove himself because he's competing against guys that he likely knows who committed to Texas or elsewhere <laughs> instead of a program like Oklahoma. So he, he's the one that I'm saying has that immediate impact.
0: Yeah, see, I, here's the thing. I want to go back to what I said earlier about those receivers. I'm really excited about them. I, I think it's, it's a good core – for the future development as they come up with Spencer Rattler. I don't know. I I don't know if there's a, you know, you go back to CeeDee Lamb's freshman year. CeeDee Lamb was phenomenal as a freshman, but it was because it was needed. I don't know that it's needed as much for one of these guys to go in there and immediately have an impact in 2019. I mean, you're going to knock out, you're going to have to get, beat out Grant Kakateri, you're going to have to beat out CeeDee Lamb, Lee, you know, there, there's names out there, not saying that they can't or they won't, but to me I, I'm going to go back to a name that I all, I feel like I throw out every podcast and that's along the offensive line in Finley Felix because when you when you look at this offensive line that Oklahoma has that that's the biggest question mark on this offense and you need guys that can come in there and fill those holes immediately and I look at a guy like Finley Felix and I think that's one of them and that's why I think he's probably, in my opinion, the guy who has the biggest and the most immediate impact, because that's the greatest need that this team has, in my opinion, right now on the offensive side of the ball. and 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 he's there. Theo Weas, Trajan bridges, the, these guys are are super talented at this at the receiver and those skill positions. but they but are they really needed? I mean, is it is it as big of a need for for those guys to come out and to produce immediately? as it is for a guy like Finley Felix to jump in there and fill that gap on the offensive line.
1: I I don't know that it's as needed as much as the offensive line because I'm always going to tell you this, and I'll continue just to, to beat this dead horse until I'm sure, 100% sure that the horse is dead. The, <laughs> the offense always starts with the offensive line. No questions about it, but I feel like Oklahoma, I mean, the, the offensive line is consistently a priority if you wanted to go in and break it down by number oklahoma the the second most or the, the second highest number of offers went to offensive linemen Th- there's clearly a reason for that and you make a good case why a guy like finley felix could plug in and play and be this immediate contributor have this immediate impact the problem for me is when you look at the offensive line matt i'm not saying you're wrong but how often do we hear these guys' names called? How often do we see them getting player of the week honors? How often are they, they getting these individual accolades? It isn't that often. And the truth of the matter is that the offensive line is only as good as its its link. So Finley Felix could be an incredible player, but he could have someone playing next to him who's not quite up to snuff. And it begins to detract from what Felix is, is capable of doing or anyone along that offensive line. It's, just, it's hard for me to go with an offensive lineman because it it's has to be a cohesive unit. And when one, one side or one player breaks down, the whole thing crumbles. Finley Felix could have a fantastic season, could be that immediate contributor. You just won't notice it as much.
0: All right. fair point I, I can't uh, I mean I'm not gonna take let, that let away from that this way,
1: let, let me say it this way is if it doesn't happen you will certainly know this and everybody <laughs> will wonder what is going on with the offensive line but if, if he plays like I said up to snuff we're, we're just not going to hear much about him
0: He's Rich DeCray. I'm Matt Hofeld, Heartland Sports. Heartland-sports is where you can find us. Uh, Sooner Nation podcast. National Signing Day is upon us. Um, This podcast will go live sometime tonight on iTunes and on the website. Uh, And so, really, maybe by the time you listen to it, uh, these names and so forth will have already been turned in. But, hey, at least you know how we feel about it. Um, Rich, changing gears on... From basketball, from football to basketball, the Sooners lose their third in a row in conference. Is it time to start thinking maybe Lon Kruger's in a little bit of trouble?
1: I'm a big fan of Lon Kruger, and there's a lot of personal reasons behind that. And the way that he has restructured the culture at Oklahoma within that locker room, he's always recruited. Trey Young he's always recruited players that would stick around for four years buddy healed Christian James. we've seen a couple of the transfers come in and they've had a lot of success Matt they really have. Now they've gone out and they've got kids from Oklahoma. I'm still on this recruiting kick because that's where you took us at the beginning. He's gone out he's gotten kids locally to commit to play at the University of Oklahoma 15 wins this season. Man, I I can't say no to your question at this point in time. And I'm I'm a huge proponent for Lon Krueger. I was when his name initially came up, I thought he would be a good hire to turn this program around with the NCAA sanctions that were currently in place. And he by all means has. I mean, he's coached this team to the final four. Am I wrong on that, the final four? Or was it just oh, yeah, the yeah, buddy?
0: No, buddy. He'll uh, okay. That's
1: that's be what here, I thought. Yeah. Down into the final four, yeah, because that's the year they played Villanova, and I thought we were a God <laughs> Yeah, it was vice versa of how they played in Hawaii. Um, but I, I think the world of Lon Kruger. I just don't know with, we're we're seeing that a change here in, in basketball as well. Matt, you and I were talking just last week about how I didn't see this elite level guard play. What right. happened to Christian James? I mean, he's he's basically disappeared over this stretch of games. They were talking about his shooting percentage, three of 19 in the past three games. Wasn't having a stellar performance against Iowa State either. Now, he did come on it towards the end and knocked down a couple of crucial shots, made some free throws here and there as well. But the reality of the situation is something's got to change, and we always look towards the head coach, because this was a team that I thought by all means turned me around and had me believing that they were tournament, a tournament ready team, a tournament caliber team. And I don't know that. I mean, I'm still on the fence now. I've kind of backed off from that statement. 15 wins right now, 20 being that magic number. I just don't know where they're coming at when you drop games to a West Virginia.
0: Yeah. And even the game, you know, on Monday night against Iowa state, you know, Oklahoma's three losses right now, Baylor, West Virginia, Iowa state three in a row. We talked about how, just how important that West Virginia game was going to be on Saturday. But, you know, even the Baylor game before that, it's not just that they lost, but they lost by 30 points. You come back, you show some fight against Iowa state. I, I have two thoughts on this. And then, I'm, you know, it's like an, we're going to look down the road at the next three for Oklahoma, really the next four, but two, two thoughts. Number one, you're, you're absolutely right along Kruger. There, there's not a better guy that you'll meet. You and I have both have interactions with him. Uh, the guy is all class, and, and you can't help but like him. He's also just a few years removed from the Final Four, and I think that still buys him some time. But I don't know that that he's in trouble right now in this moment. But I think this sets up next season to really be a season that, that either pushes him closer to the brink or kind of restores favor. Because I I look at, I look at not just the win loss factor. Sooners are currently 15 and eight, number eight in the big 12 out of 10 teams, by the way. Um, But it's not just that it is look at home attendance. Look at the, the way It is just dwindling. They were literally giving away free tickets last night for Big Monday and still couldn't pack out the gym. And the Sooners play Iowa State, number 17, Iowa State to within a point, which brings me to my second thought on this is I I understand Jamani McNeese being a senior and and Long Kruger being faithful to these guys. But this is a better team with Jemani McNeese not in the starting rotation. Is I mean, I, I love the kid. I love what he brings. But when you look at – go back and look at this this team. When Jemani McNeese starts and when he comes off the bench, they are much better with him coming off the bench than him in the starting five. That's, that's just a thought that I – throw it out there. You're more the basketball guy than I am. But uh, attendance is going to be crucial for Long Kruger moving forward. If they don't make the NCAA, they're going to make the CBI or the NIT. And the problem there is going to be those are based off the home home court games are based really more on how many tickets you're going to sell, which means Oklahoma's most likely going to be on the road in one of those tournaments. And secondly, I mean, it just really, it's a springboard, good or bad, for next season. I think the 2019-2020 season is going to be more crucial for Long Krueger than what's going on right now.
1: That may be the case. I think one thing that Matt, you, and I can agree upon is, regardless of how things shake out at Oklahoma for Lon Kruger, is he is a Hall of Fame worthy coach. You sure. Look at what he's been able to do at at numerous different programs. I, I know that he is. I believe it's the only coach to lead five different teams to the NCAA tournament. That type of stuff doesn't go unnoticed. When I'm looking at specifically Oklahoma, and you're talking about this starting rotation. I think a lot of what's happening right now hinges on Christian Doolittle. And it's his aggressiveness, his ability at 6'8", to kind of step outside, to stretch the floor, open some things up. Of course, you've got Larry from the Prairie at 6'10", standing over there, who who also has that ability to fight for rebounds down low, step outside, knock down some three-pointers. This is a team that has always been about the defense. And I thought Jemani McNeese would fit right in because he's known as that rim protector. He's athletic, he's lengthy, and he can sit back and wait for one of those slashers, someone who's trying to cut into the lane, simply elevate and block the shot. I don't know if it's a lack of aggressiveness on his part where you're saying he's better suited coming off the bench and that this team is is better with him in that role because I I do agree with that at this point but McNeese was supposed to be he he, him as well as Christian James are supposed to be the anchors for this team And, and I don't know that we've seen that recently coming out of either of them as I've already mentioned Christian James being really that that linchpin for this team and how well they're going to do he's the one who sparks this offense he's the one who has really been setting the tone for me recently and if i'm looking forward he has to be the centerpiece for me because he can do it on both ends of the court assuming that he keeps everything under control is oklahoma going to do that i don't know matt let me throw this out there as, as one last opinion Oklahoma defensively has played extremely sound. It's why they've been in games recently against ranked opponents. There are some exceptions to this rule, if you will, in the West Virginia game or the Baylor game when they came out and just obliterated this Oklahoma offense by by employing this zone defense. Oklahoma would be a completely different team. I think we'd be looking at someone who's really challenging for the top three in the big 12, if they had a consistent score, I'm not, I'm not saying that needs to be a Trey young type, but it needs to be someone who can come out and consistently put up 16 to 20 points. They just don't have that right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a very valid point. And um, you look at the next four for Oklahoma at home against Texas tech this Saturday uh, at at Waco, at Fort Worth against Baylor, and then TCU, and then at home against Texas. The next four, I mean, you would you would hope you can pull two and two out of that, but I mean, I would I wouldn't be surprised to see a one and three or zero oh and four the way the, this team is just kind of Jekyll and Hyde.
1: Man, I, I was looking at the schedule myself, and I came to the same. Conclusion. You're looking at that Texas Tech game being in Norman. I know Oklahoma played well against them the first go-around. They dropped that game in Lubbock. Texas Tech, I, I don't know what happened to them. We talked about it last week. They dropped those three games against non, or non-ranked opponents, and I believe that was really their wake-up call. Texas Tech's coming through the second half of the, the conference schedule on a vengeance, and they're looking to – claim that title from Kansas of regular season champions, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat, whether you're playing them in Norman or in Lubbock. I look at that Baylor game, and if Oklahoma has a repeat performance of what happened in Norman, I don't have very, very high hopes for that. TCU, still a quality program, even though they're not ranked. That's going to be a tough one on the road. And then you get Texas. Matt, I just where are you seeing this one win come from?
0: Well, I think – I think you can possibly pick up a win against TCU in Fort Worth. You you talked about Texas tech. Uh, I think there's a chance there, but I'm I'm really looking at the the Texas game. I I think this is a team. That's always the big rivalry. Everybody gets up for that. The crowds should be there for that game. So I'm, I'm thinking they can pull off back to back, even at TCU on the 16th and then a week later against the Longhorns. That's, that's me being super optimistic. The truth is they need it because West Virginia follows our suit Iowa state, a, a trip to Ames follows that Texas game. And then it's West Virginia, Kansas, Kansas state back to back. So there's not yeah. a lot of wins left in Oklahoma. If they want to make the tournament somewhere, they've got to pick up five or six more wins.
1: Right. And the schedule is just not setting up to be very kind at this point in time, not mentioning just the opponents, but it's the fact the opponents, they have to play two days apart on one day prep, one day rest, which really is going to be travel time. I mean, the the dates of these games aren't setting up very kind for them. As I've said, until you get to that Texas game, you mentioned it, Mac, Matt. They do get your name's not Mac, okay? It is Matt. I appreciate like, that. You can just stop me at any point in time. We're looking yeah. at that Texas game. It's got that full week beforehand. I I I see that as a winnable game. Yes. It's in Norman. The fans will show up for that one. I'm going to go ahead and just say they split it 50-50 here. I'm going to give them two and two in their next four. Well, and
0: I think if they you're one and three, I'm two and four. I think if they do that, the the two and two, then Oklahoma fans should be completely thrilled uh, that they get that out of this team. Um, Okay, let's let's switch gears again. Another week, another mock draft. It's going to happen every week until April rolls around. So I want to, you know, we we know the big three, Kyler Cody and and Marquise Brown, most likely first rounders, just who they're going to go to is all about jockeying for position from the NFL franchises. So let's let's approach the NFL draft this week from a different perspective. If I set the over under on number of Oklahoma players to get drafted this year, if I set that number at six, would you take the under, the over, or a push?
1: um i'm gonna go for a push right now all right so you think it'll be right at six yeah um i can give you those names as well, well. but if it, if it comes to a seventh one i'm just struggling to name someone all
0: right well let's go through that i mean obviously there's we, we talked about the big three kyler cody uh-huh. and, and hollywood Who who do you got after that who's who's the next draftable player after those three
1: I've got to go with Rodney Anderson. I I still think someone takes a chance on him despite his injury history. He's proven to be a a consistent running back. He's proven that he can carry the ball on each and every down, that he really doesn't have a weakness that I've seen. Rodney Anderson takes, takes that fourth position for me, like I said, because of his ceiling.
0: Okay, so we're going to disagree a little bit, but I want you to go ahead and, and go through your, your five. You said six, okay. so, so give me your uh-huh. five and
1: six. Yeah, so that's four. Um, I'm just going to throw out these names then. I think Drew Samia, a pro, um, not a project, but a prospect for the NFL, given his size, given his experience, what he's capable of doing on the field. If you remember when he stepped on, the only things we wanted to talk about were Drew Samia and Orlando Brown. On that offensive line they were the names that people were familiar with because of how young they were and how they earned those starting jobs so i've got true samia going as well in this draft and then i may throw a little bit of a a surprise a little bit of a shocker for you because i'm going with uh, Prentice mckinney
0: wow no that's that is that that's 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 not just (laughs) out of left field that's that's out of the left. That's off the berm. If you're playing at El Dell Mitchell Park, that's way out there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Okay, it's so.
1: he's just—he's an unfortunate kid who didn't really get a lot—a lot of playing time at Oklahoma. But I still think with 6'1", the safety position, his athleticism, yeah. I think he'll get some looks, Matt. Like I said, I could be completely wrong on that, but I think he's going to get some looks. All right. I, I'm gonna—I'm
0: gonna give you—I'm gonna tell you that he doesn't even make. He's not even on my list. I, you, there's the big three. And I, okay. I think Bobby Evans – I think next to them, Bobby Evans is your next draftable player. Um, and he's I'm, he's a name that, that I, don't, I don't believe you mentioned, but Bobby Evans Whoa. will go for me next. Oh, you forgot. Yeah, about and Bobby
1: I totally – yeah. no, I forgot to mention Ben Powers.
0: Well, so see, I guess uh, I am at seven. Yeah, so you're taking the over then. So I'm going to go yeah, with – Yeah, uh, I guess so. I, I forgot about
1: that until you mentioned him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and Ben my Powers bad. had you know great workout for the senior bowl and so forth. Um, but give me Bobby Evans. Give me Drew Samia. I don't see Rodney Anderson going until, like, the last half. I mean, I think he's a he's a fifth, sixth, seventh-round
1: guy, well, in my opinion. We're, we're saying um, he's draftable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think That's where we're he's at. draftable. I think he will go. And I, I wouldn't even be surprised to see him go ahead of Ben Powers. I, I think the senior bowl may have moved Ben Powers from a – from a undrafted free agent to maybe a seventh round, possibly a sixth round guy, um, because he really made some noise at the Senior Bowl. And then, and then a name I'm going to throw out there that we haven't really talked about is Imani Bledsoe. I, I think he's a super talented guy. He's a He's got that freak athleticism health issues and so forth, you know, well, I don't want to get into his full story. Yeah, there's plenty out there on the, on the internet, if you want to look it all up for him with the suspension and so forth. But I, I think he's a kid that can go late in, you know, go even in the seventh round and still latch on with the team. So that puts me over uh, over the over the sixth mark as well. So that's where I am with Oklahoma in the NFL draft. Obviously the, the next big thing to come up is going to be the combine and, and how these guys grade out, not just physically, but what their mental in, you know diagnosis is after all those checks and so forth. So that's where I've got. I've got um, Kyler. I think they'll go in this order in the first round. I think you've got Kyler Murray, Cody Ford, Marquise Brown, all gone in the first round. And then I'm going to go Bobby Evans is the fourth player taken, Drew Samia fifth. It, to me, it's a toss-up between Rodney Anderson and Ben Powers. I think Rodney goes sixth. Power seventh, and then Bloodso uh, was maybe the last player taken uh, yeah. in the seventh round. That, that's what I. That's what yeah, I'm we're we're
1: up. gonna we're we're gonna agree on the top three, but it's that Rodney Anderson that's really throwing a kink in our evaluations. As as I still have him going fourth from Oklahoma, I don't know what round that's gonna be. I still have him as the fourth player from Oklahoma taken though, and then Drew Samia and Ben Powers.
0: Yeah, but see, I and think and those I, are I,
1: for sure people who are drafted.
0: Prentice no, was,
1: was just a, a random idea that I had in my head, and I don't even know that that's going to pan out because of lack of film.
0: Well, and, and I look, I, I love what you're saying and what you're thinking about Rodney Anderson, but the reality is for me, I, I don't see Anderson going any higher than the fifth round. That's that fine. That means Oklahoma. Well, but that, that means Oklahoma would go from the f- three guys in the first round to no one taken to the fifth round if Rodney mm-hmm. Anderson is the next guy. I, I think there's. Yeah, but I'm not yet.
1: saying I'm not saying fifth round though. I'm not uh, saying okay. that I know where he's gonna go. Gosh, I can okay. see I can see him being that fourth person. Is all I'm going for. All right.
0: Well, I'm I'm saying Bobby Evans, and we'll, we'll just see. I mean, we got we got two months to argue about it. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that we don't have. Well, we can put some barbecue on it. Yeah, uh, you you want to go double or nothing, or, or I'll be actually. Be home, <laughs> well, you might as well, man. You no, know, you'll have time to pay up before the NFL draft because I'll I'll be home at the end of March. So, okay, uh, okay. There we okay. go. By the way, I just got to throw this out there. I, right now, I'm in the lap of luxury here. Uh, Central America is not all bad because you you were teasing with me. Um, I believe it was last week or week before about being at the ocean and being at the beach. But, uh, I, I actually am right now and it's, it's pretty wicked. Awesome. Um,
1: yeah. And I couldn't know, even we, see 10 feet in front of me today. So yeah, enjoy it
0: I, while you can. I saw, I saw Twitter's ab- about that. Hey, you know, uh, one thing that we don't have a lot of time until it happens is Oklahoma softball, as uh, soon as starting their season, uh, the 2019 campaign this weekend. Um, I, I, I don't see how it's not another year of sooner domination in the big 12. What, what are your key factors uh, real quick as we're running short on time? When you look at this team, you know, we've talked about them and being back in Oklahoma city at the world series competing to win the big 12 hosting regionals and super regionals, all the stuff that we're used to them doing. What are your thoughts as far as the key factors for this team this year?
1: Key factors really are our defense. I'm going to swap from what we are talking about with football, softball being all about the defense. You lose a stellar player like Paige Parker, the closer Paige Lowry, and all of a sudden you get this transfer who's coming in. Um, again, very talented pitcher but she's not accustomed to being with this squad she's not acc- accustomed to being on this roster like a Paige Parker was who spent 4 years as the starter so again we're we're going to be looking at G. Juarez as the starting pitcher there then again you lose Kelsey Arnold who's stepping up into that that shortstop role Kaylee Clifton I don't think she's given up the second base at any point in time she's been stellar throughout her career as a defensive player So, again, who's who's stepping in and who's taking that shortstop role that can really anchor this defense and and be that vocal yet emotional leader? Now, I know there are other players on the field who are capable of that, but no, there's no position on the field that receives more bouncing softballs than the shortstop. They've got to do something with them. I believe they've got the bats. You talk about Shay Knighton, who's delivered on numerous occasions under the biggest of lights under during her career. You've got Sydney Romero, who's capable of making things happen. And you've got Jocelyn Allo in the outfield again, who's extremely capable. I haven't even mentioned that we've lost the center fielder of this team as well, who, who played both ways at an exceptional rate. Again, Matt, if I'm looking for the keys, It's just this defense. Are they going to be able to back up someone like G Juarez like they did with Paige Parker? I believe the answer is yes, because I have 100% confidence and faith in Patty Gasso and what her product is on the field. She showcased it to us. For years upon years upon years now, and they're working on that label of being a dynasty at this point. It isn't. Are they capable of getting back to the Women's College World Series? It's go, it, the question is: Is there a hurdle that that's going to stop them from getting there?
0: Yeah. The other thing I would add to that, you know, I agree with what you're saying. I think G. Juarez is, is really the, her coming in from Arizona State stabilized this pitching staff to where you thought. You know, after seeing four years of dominance of Paige Parker, what's going to happen to this staff? I think G Juarez will play that role. I think you'll still see Mariah Lopez and, and, and Parker Conrad come in and have their say in, from the circle. But to me, it's, it comes down to hitting with this team. And I know that sounds crazy because you just mentioned all those players, Sidney Romero, uh, you know Jocelyn Allo, all those power hitters. But what happened to this team once they got to Oklahoma City? is they, they couldn't well, get the big hit when they needed it. And particularly – into Washington. Against, <laughs> right, two games against Washington. That's going to be – and a lot of that, to me, hinges upon the development of Jocelyn Alo From our freshman year, just a, a true – power hitter to being a more of a smarter hitter, letting letting pitchers find her sweet spot and not swinging at everything because she can take any pitch in the zone or out of the zone and she can send it out of the park, but that's not what she needs to do. What she needs to do is she needs to make pitchers work around her to where she gets exactly what she needs, setting up the, the girls either in front of her or behind her. They've got to deliver as well. So I think I, I I'm, I'm I like where they are from the pitcher circle. I want to yeah. see how they are and if they can show patience from the plate uh, when they're up the bat.
1: One thing we haven't mentioned is Oklahoma lost Melissa Lombardi as, as that yeah. pitching coach. She did a phenomenal job in the time that she was here at Oklahoma. Her legacy will always be cemented here. But moving out to the Pac-12 – I don't, I just don't know that you're going to find a coach of that caliber and that's not a knock against anyone. That's just how good she was. So what is this new pitching coach going to do with a new pitcher coming in who doesn't have that experience with this team?
0: Well, here's the thing that, that I mean, really it's a domino effect because you got Mike White who left Oregon is now the head coach at Texas. And then you got Melissa Lombardi going and taking on the Oregon job. And then, uh, jennifer rocha leaving florida to come to oklahoma i mean it's it's all three programs got quality coaches in in, in brand yes. new situations and so it's not the it's not the question of and, the quality of the coach it's how do they fit in this new situation right and that's certainly something that as you mentioned is is worth watching as this season develops but the good it, news the, is i will say i'm sorry i will say you're fine if there's a good news in this story is that Roach is not coming in to work with a three-year starter like Paige Parker or Paige Lowry. She's coming in to work with, with really – there's the girl, I'm blanking on her name, from Florida Atlantic who transferred in and then G. Juarez who's transferring in. You know, so, so it's all a new situation, and so they, there's not going to be that transition for these girls from the previous coach to this coach because it, they're all new to Norman.
1: Yeah, and those, the, the programs that you've mentioned are are not strangers to the national scene. They know what they're doing when they make these hires. Florida, Texas, maybe a little bit further back in history, uh, you'd have to go to find those dominant teams. Everyone knows the name Cat Osterman for a reason right. when it comes to softball, but Oregon, a consistent player on the national level texas has previously been a player on the national level in fact they ruled the big 12 for quite some time there florida dominating again on the national scene we see them year in and year out and florida has those ties to oklahoma already because of of their head coach playing baseball here so it's just it's just a fun community i guess and when you get them all together Matt, uh, you and I have experienced this. I'm, I'm going off track now. When you get them all together, there's no environment quite like it. True that, man. Well, I'm talking about uh, personalities.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. Hey, we're we're out of time. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Sooner Nation online podcast, Heartland Sports. Heartland-sports.com is where you can catch us. We'd love to have your feedback. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. At Sports Heartland, you can leave comments. You can leave rankings uh, at, uh, at iTunes. Rich, any, any last thoughts before we, we cut loose?
1: No, not, not at all, man. Um, just it's, it's going to be a fun spring uh, sports-wise for Oklahoma. I know that this is completely random at this point in time, but I'm expecting at least two, if not three, national championships to be brought in in the spring, men's, women's gym, and potentially softball.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to throw maybe baseball winning the national championship. You never know. (laughs) 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 I love me
1: so I can't knock it.
0: We'll have to get into baseball later on. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic week wherever it takes you. Boomer Sooner, everybody.